Hello, and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. There is someone standing outside my window. Hello, how are you? Okay, he's gone away. And welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 34. Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand Isaiah chapter 34. Help us to be encouraged, to be convicted. Help us to be obedient to your words to us in Isaiah chapter 34. We pray this in Jesus' name. And so it begins. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Is it long? Is it uh, 17 verses? Not too bad. Verse 1 Draw near, O nations, to hear and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction. <laughs> okay, has given them over to slaughter. So here is God calling all the nations, essentially the whole world, to come and hear him, to hear what? His destruction. He said, I'm going to destroy everything. Verse 3, the slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. That's, that's so violent. You know, there are just so many corpses, so much blood, that the rivers that flow down the mountains is all blood. It's really, really gory. Verse 4, All the hosts of heaven shall rot away, and the skies roll up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from the fig tree. So not just the nation, not just the earth, but all the stars, all the universe being destroyed, being rebooted back to, the, to its condition of chaos before creation. Why? Verse 5, 4, my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom, this particular one nation, upon the people I've devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidney of rams, for the Lord has a sacrifice. In Bozrah, a great slaughter in the land of Edom. There he goes again, this one nation. Again, God is angry with wild oxen shall fall with them and young steers with the mighty bulls. Their land shall drink its fill of blood. Their soil shall be gorged with fat. Two things. Why Edom? And what's to do with these lambs and goats? So Edom is one of the nations. Earlier on, God said, all the nations come and hear me, going to be destroyed. But Edom is meant to be um, an example. You know, so this is meant to be an example of the destruction that will come upon all the other nations by looking at this one nation. And Edom in particular is a cousin of Israel, you know, a descendant of Esau. You know, Israel is descended from Jacob. Edom's descended from Esau. And so it's talking about the enemies, uh, the fraternal enemies of, of uh, Israel, which are now being made an example of because they oppose Israel and they have a long history. And God says, I'll destroy them the way he'll destroy the whole world. So that's one thing. Why Edom? And that's therefore, you know, Basra as well as the city in Edom. But secondly, there is all this mention of blood and killing, but in the language of sacrifice. Literally in verse 6, the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra. But also before that, the blood of lamb and goats, the fat of the kidneys of the rams. So these are, uh, this is reminiscent of language of 
worshipful sacrifice at the tabernacle. You bring these animals, which are killed, its blood and its meat is offered up to God in sacrifice. And so what's happening here is not just the language of judgment, but the language of the sacrifice in judgment. And so it's saying that all this is done by God, and all this is done for God. There's a sense in which sacrifice displays God's anger towards our sin. And oftentimes, yes, rightly so, we describe sacrifice as something that pays God instead of our sin. But here's what happens when our sin isn't paid for. Our sin causes us to become the sacrifice. That's the case with Edom, and that's the case with all the nations that do not repent towards God. So verse 8, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion, which is Israel, which is the city of God, and the streams of Edom shall be turned into pitch and her soil into sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine, you know, there's, there's a mention of the porcupine in the Bible, and here it is in verse 11. The hawk and the porcupine shall possess it. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it. All these animals, all these wild animals will now occupy the land of Egypt. Verse 11, he shall stretch the line of confusion over it and the plumb line of emptiness. It's nobles. There is no one there to call it a kingdom, and all its princes shall be nothing. So all the nobles, all the VIPs, the Atas high-class people, they'll all be emptied of the city, and it's overtaken by animals. That's the idea. You know, judgment is the emptying out of God's blessing, and therefore the emptying out of people, of uh, people who used to rule the city. It's now been turned into a desert, into a wasteland, that on the one hand is pictured by destruction. You know, it begins with the pitch and the sulfur and the burning pitches. You imagine a bomb <laughs> landing on uh, on your city and psh, everything destroyed and everything is burning. And the idea of pitch and sulfur is that you can smell, you know, the destruction. Everything is black. So on one hand, it's destruction, total destruction. Again, thinking of a bomb or a nuclear bomb. Uh, but on the other hand, it's also then overrun with wild life. No humans, no government, no princes, no kingdom, no sense of uh, order of society, but just animals. Hence the hawk and the porcupine, the owl and the raven. Ah, all these, I'm not sure what the ravens sound like. And essentially, you know, just wild sounds, not, not the sounds of people drinking their lattes by Starbucks or, you know, yeah, what, it, it, it's just wild sounds. Verse 13, thorns shall grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles and its fortress as it shall be the haunt of jackals and abode of four ostriches and wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fellow. Indeed, there the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. Just more and more I more and more animals, but there's a mention of the cry of the animals. Verse 14, the wild goat cries to his fellow. What does a goat sound like? <laughs> also the hyenas, you know, the, the, the laughing hyenas. And it's almost mocking. Again, the life that was previously there. Again, if you hear any kind of background hum today, you know, you live, I live in a city, I'm always hearing like traffic 
always hearing people walking by. All that gone, but instead you hear like barks of dogs and just wild animals calling out to one another. They are the new inhabitants of this city. Um, where were we? Verse 15, there the owl nests and lays and hatches and gathers her young in her shadow. Indeed, there the hawks are gathered, each one with her mate. Seek and read the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. Not one, none shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. His hand has portioned it out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever from generation to generation. They shall dwell in it. Okay, all right. So on the one hand, there's going to be this destruction that God has decreed. He's going to do this in judgment and also in sacrifice. On the other hand, he's going to hand over what used to belong to humans, to animals. It's going to be destroyed and it's going to reverse the order of creation, the order of society. But also yet... Yeah, there's another hand, three hands. At the end, it ends with a promise that God has portioned his possession for his people. Verse 17, they shall possess it forever from generation. They shall dwell in it. So there is going to be a land where it's going to be full of life, full of people, full of possession from generation to generation. And it's his people. He has cast his lot for them. He's portioned it out to them with the line. Um yeah, so that's Isaiah 34. Uh, if you've ever seen one of those David Attenborough commentaries, those TV shows, um, you will you'll see how much he really loves nature, and you know how he goes into the wildlife and he just shows us the beauty and the fullness of the life of a nature of birds, wild animals like this. Uh, but you'll notice as well in the more recent episodes and seasons. Now I confess, <laughs> I, uh, I've only ever heard of this. I've only seen clips of it. I've never actually seen like a whole season. But I've noticed the trend as well that he's become somewhat um, unhopeful. Sorry, my English is horrible today. What, what's the word I'm looking for? He's kind of discouraging in terms of where this is going to lead. He sees in nature and in wildlife, wildlife a destruction of the world. He sees how we've not been responsible with you know, global warming, with pollution, and he sees almost a reversal of the way things used to be in terms of the flourishing of life. And that's what's happening here. You see the destruction of God, not just in this one fell swoop burning of sulfur and destruction like a bomb, but this slow reversal back to, you know, deep civilization of society, you know, a reversal from the way it used to be that used to be full of life, but now it's being destroyed bit by bit, such that you lose all the beauty and all the life and all the magnificence that used to be associated with a place, with a culture, with a country. And I think on the one hand, you know, we don't see this yet. You know, now, you know, we are oblivious to it. But on the other hand, we see traces of it happening and happening already. And the reason I say that is because that's almost the way that the Bible pictures judgment. One hand, you know, judgment is that final judgment. God's going to come back. Jesus is going to judge the world. It's going to be really, really obvious that it's going to happen. But on the other hand, you can kind of see traces of it already. You know, you can see in a global scale, you know, how, again, I mentioned like pollution and how destruction of nature, you know, these things are ha happening, melting of ice caps, that kind of thing. 
is already happening, and those are signs of the judgment that is to come. And the more we see it, the more we don't want to see it. The more we know that's happening, the more we kind of like want to delay any kind of response to it. And that's the kind of like the tenor of this passage. You know, you guys know that this is happening. You guys know that this is going to be your fate, your end, and yet we ignore it, and yet we don't give it the kind of response attention that we should. And I think that's kind of like the message of Isaiah 34, you know, judgment that is to come, but also judgment that we tend to put off and ignore. Uh, why don't we pray that we don't ignore this, that we pay heed and we give thanks to the salvation that has come through the judgment that comes through Christ, but we've received from his death and his resurrection. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, help us to hear a word even of judgment and help us in hearing this to repent, turning back to you and to rejoice, giving thanks to you for the salvation that comes through Christ and Christ alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me. This has been Isaiah chapter 34, the daily Bible reading show on Wednesday, 2nd of June. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>